All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Serious Angler Podcast. As always, I am your host, Bailey Eggbrett, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, buddy? You know, just another day in Buffalo. It actually hit 70 on the thermometer today. I was happy to be on the lake for once, so that was nice. Yeah, I was jealous of you, but I, uh, that being said, I was literally working with my windows open, which I don't think yeah. I have done for a long time. No, that's Actually, a beautiful I still thing. have it open, and I'm in a t-shirt. Like, yeah, it's kind of nice. I opened both of mine as well, turned my heat off. I think every window in my house is open, and I am sweating right now because I'm like a bear. So <laughs> this, just, this just ain't going well for me. Like, I'm already dying, and it's only 70. I can't wait for it to get to 85. So... I don't know about 85. I can't do 85. Yeah, too warm. That, that's I, why I said I can't wait because I'm gonna die. But give me uh, like give me like mid 50s where it's like perfect jeans and hoodie weather. Yeah. That's what I like. It, it, it was funny. Like Jordan was out with me and I turned around, and looked at him, I go, I could go for some rain right now because this is too warm, too early. And he's like, What? <laughs> I was like, just let it rain. Like, I don't know about rain, but like oh no, let it rain. Like <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't know about the rain. I, I I like to, I guess, fish in the elements as you speak, but I, I don't know, especially this time of year. There's like, I was out with Forrest the other day and it was literally like high 30s and pouring rain. And that's just miserable. Like we still caught them, but like it comes a point where it's just so brutally cold because of the rain factor yeah. that it just sucks. I don't know. I, I, I'm still going to take the mid 50s to 60s, oh, yeah. decent wind. You're in a hoodie and jeans. That's the most comfortable weather you can have. Yeah, and overcast. Like this time of year, when the ice just comes off the lake, I don't like light variable winds and just straight sun. I feel like the fish do not eat. I'd much rather have it be like blowing 30, low 50s, some drizzle, miserable weather. I feel like they eat way better when the water is cold, when it's like that. And Tyler, uh, about 10 days. 10 days till you're on Erie, huh? Yeah. That early? So um, I looked at the satellite today, and the ice is breaking up quite quick. It's going to be 70 again tomorrow with some rain. So I'm I'm thinking about 7 to 10 days. Yeah, I, I'm thinking I'm going to be uh, calling off or calling out of work, I should say, tomorrow around 3 p.m. and hit up a local pond with the yak. Either from the yak or from the bank. I don't know yet. Probably take the yak. I was debating on going in the morning. So you just got to tease me. Like, why can't you just go out in the afternoon and go out with a friend? But no, you got to go in the morning when I have to work. I got to work tomorrow night. (laughs) I got to do my driving job. So what do you mean? No, it's guide time for it. Okay. We're going to bring Tyler on here in a second. Yeah. Because he needs to, he needs to be the terminating factor here. We'll We'll introduce Tyler here in a second, but you're it's guide season for you. Why are you still doing this driving BS? It's time to guide time to fish. I need need some money before the clients start. Here's a wild idea for you. Yeah, have more guide trips for more money, so you don't have to drive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll get there. <laughs> just gonna, we'll I'm just there. gonna put it out there. <laughs> it, it takes time, but it takes time. They don't just like magically appear out of a hat. Okay, like hey, <laughs> uh, if I hear you say it takes time five more times, and it's five months later, it takes. I'm time. going to clip. It takes this. time. I am going time. to dump. <laughs> I am knocking this right here for when you say this in like August. And I'm not going to allow you back on the show until you quit the damn driving job. Yeah. And I mean, the days are coming, right? Like it's just, I'm like in flux between 
bass season and steelhead season, there's like a two and a half week dry spell. So I just, I got to order some stuff like some fluorocarbon. I just need a little extra dough at the moment. So without right. ripping into my boat money, cause gas is like $5 and 50 cents a gallon for my boat. So yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right. Let's just put it on the line here. Soon as Erie is open, the driving stops. Pretty much, honestly, yeah. Okay, I can, handle, I can go with yeah. that. Granted, it's not my life, but I could do with that. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I think I go, what do I have right now, book? April 21st through May 8th, like every single day. Hmm. So that'll be good. And pretty much after that, well, I go to Florida for like three and a half days in there and then after that, I'm booked almost all the way to the 17th. So it's really like April 20th through May 17th. I'm fully booked every day, except for one. Yeah. All right. So cool. it's going. Well, dude, I think uh, we should introduce our guest here today, Mr. Tyler Berger from yeah. Bass Fishing HQ, who I am very excited to talk to. It's been uh, probably one of the most prominent resources for knowledge of bass fishing on YouTube in today's age. So, uh, I'm very excited to get him on here, and without further ado, let's bring him into the stream. Mr. Tyler Berger, what's going on, man? What's going on? How's it going? Good evening, man. Good, good evening. evening. Good, good to meet evening. you. Good to meet you as well. Yeah, it's good to it's good to finally get you on here. Andy and I have both been watching your, your shows for a while and, and just kind of taking – we've had many discussions of, like, a, an episode you'll put out, and, like, we'll kind of discuss it, like, internally of what we think on it, and it's either, like, a debate – yeah. Either way, it's good to finally get on the Rudd show with you the other week, yeah. and it kind of was an easy connect because I had been procrastinating and asking Alex to connect us, and that just kind of worked out. He's like, "Hey, want to come do a show with me and Tyler on Friday?" I'm like, oh, it's a perfect. Yeah, movie. yeah. Um, I love Rudd. Dude, he's such a good dude. Yeah, he he's a big old bear. Uh, <laughs> either way, dude, it's good to get you on the show. And I think uh, you know, first things first for folks that might not have. Watched your channel or, or know who you are. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of how you got into bass fishing in the first place. And yeah. Andy, we can hear all of the hooks you're playing with. Right yeah, I'm trying to pull out, you know, little poppers mm. to talk about them. So and they're all stuck together. I apologize. <laughs> Take it away, Tyler. Yeah, so I will tell you guys the exact same thing I told Alex when I was on his channel at first. Like, feel free to cut me off because I can just talk and talk about stuff a lot of times. So just cut me off when it's too much or whatever. But Well, that's why you're the guest. We're the host. That's why you get to do all the talking. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, but no, as far as like, you know, bass fishing growing up, like everything, how I got into it. I mean, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have a pond growing up, um, you know, in my parents' backyard. So they had a one acre pond. That's where I learned how to fish. I actually used to love catfishing. Like I used to catfish because it was the biggest fish in my pond. And I just wanted to go out and catch big fish. And um, I started bass fishing a little bit, but I had an uncle that lived down in Florida and I actually, we would go down there every spring break, um, to Florida and I started fishing with him, fishing with him. And then I got into my first tournament. Well, actually the, the time that I got hooked on bass fishing, we, he actually brought us out in the middle of Lake Toho. Um, I didn't know where I was. I was like, probably like 13 ish and we're in the middle of Toho and it was my brother, my dad, uh, myself and, and my uncle. And we were all out there slinging rattle traps. So you can imagine that craziness. Um, <laughs> but the bass literally came up schooling on shiners. And I can like, to this moment, I can remember seeing like, like several, like big bass, like five to seven pound bass, like busting out of the water to chase these shiners. I remember seeing like individual shiners and it was like, 
from that moment, I was hooked. I was like, I want to know everything bass fishing. Remember, and the funny thing about that is, I actually didn't catch a bass that day. Like everybody caught a fish in the boat, a bass. I caught a, a pickerel or a pickle, as I call them. <laughs> but that was the day I got like hooked on fishing. I came back home, and literally, like Bassmaster was my resource. Like Bassmaster uh, TV, Bassmaster, you know, Bassmaster shows. Bassmaster Magazine, Bassmaster Online, all that stuff. Like that's all I ever did was I just watched the the shows. I taped them all. I still to this day, I was telling Alex, and I think maybe even on the show with you, is that I, I have a stack of VCR tapes that say like, you know, 2004, uh, the classic and 2005, Sandy Cooper. And like all these, like, you know, they started to put them out and like, you know, you got like a Lynn Dollar, you know, everyone knows about on YouTube. who puts out those old Bassmaster videos and that stuff I eat up. So that's just how I really got started, you know, in bass fishing. And, and, and actually, I was I think it was the following year I fished my first tournament with Michael. Ours was two years later because I was 15. Um, we fished on the St. John's River. It was my first tournament ever. And I just so badly wanted to catch a fish. Like, you know how it is, your first tournament. And I, I just wanted to catch a bass. And I caught the first keeper. And then I caught two four-pounders, like, right after that. And those were our first three fish. Um, and then during that day, I lost an eight-pounder, which would have been big bass and won us that tournament. And we just ended up falling just out of a check. Um, but that was like, man, after that, like all I wanted was tournaments and tournaments and tournaments and tournaments. So I've since 15 years old, I have fished, you know, 15 to 30 tournaments a year. Um, and then I, I fished as a co-angler on the opens. I fished, you know, six years as a boater on the opens, uh, fishing the northerns, fishing the easterns. Um, so I fished a lot of tournaments and I feel like tournament is great because like the way that you pick up on techniques and what you learn and what you see out there, it's second to none. Like you can't, you can't have that experience. Like if, if you go out bass fishing, like even now to this day, like if I'm not recording and I'm just going out to fish, like I try to put some sort of goal in mind, whether it's, Hey, I want to catch five fish in two hours or I want to catch whatever. So I think putting you under pressure and, and being in the tournament scene has helped me a lot. Um, but, you know, I studied marketing when I was at Ohio State. That's where I graduated. Um, outside, once I graduated, I got a marketing job. And my sole goal was to help businesses get found online on Google and on Facebook. And so, like, that's all I did. Uh, we were talking about the guide service earlier. And um, I always thought about starting a guide service because I know exactly how I'd get my name at the top of Google with Google search and paid ads and all that stuff. Like I end up being the paid search manager at this company. And then I started doing it freelance on my own. Um, and I dabbled with YouTube, you know, like in two, I, it was like seven or eight years ago, I put up my first video and then I put up a second video. Um, and that second video ended up blowing up. And I didn't even know it because I didn't even log in. Like I didn't even check it. I just happened to put it up. And like years later, I checked this account and there's like 600 subscribers and there's 30,000 views on one video. And I'm like, what the heck? And so like from there, like every fall, because it was a fall fishing video, it would do well. It would get some search traffic and, and people would watch it and I would get more subscribers. So like in YouTube you know, big goals are 1,000 subscribers and 4,000 hours of watch time because then you can get monetized and make the little money that you make on YouTube. And But that is something that happened with the 1,000 subscribers, and I didn't even really try, which 
I, I consider that a blessing because I know how hard it is to get to that point for a lot of guys who are creating and on YouTube. And though, so the 4,000 hours of watch time in 2020, I decided I was going to try to post as much as I can, but I wasn't committed to it um, as far as YouTube goes. And I posted like 30 or 40 videos. I think I went from like 1,600 subscribers, which I had gotten basically from that one video to 5,000 at the end of, 2020 and then 2021 um after talking to my wife we actually decided that i wasn't going to fish the opens uh, because we've been trying to get into a house we had a, a we already had a kid had another kid on the way and it was just the right thing to do to not fish the opens because they're financially they're a ton of money you know and i've been paying my whole my way the whole time you're not going to make a lot of money when you're fishing the opens um and so anyways I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start posting as much as I can on YouTube. And I told myself, I was like, I'm going to post three videos, two to three videos a week, regardless. I don't care how crappy they are. I don't care what kind of views they get. I'm just going to post and try to figure this out. And so from there, I mean, 2021, again, it was a blessing. It just felt like to me, like God's hand was in it. And it just really, the channel blew up and it's just continued to, to do really, really well. Um, so it's, it's been, it's been really good. That's just kind of my whole bass fishing, you know, where I was and, and where I am now. So, so yeah. Do you think having that background of like knowing SEOs and how to, you know, go after an algorithm is obviously the, do you think that's the biggest factor in that big boom for you? I, you know what I do. Um, and I, I didn't at first, um, until I started meeting, more and more uh content creators especially in the fishing space you know because you get to talking to them and i you know i may ask them certain questions like what are your click-through rates or what are your watch times and you know some of them are like uh you know they're a certain percentage or i don't really pay attention to that or i don't know you, you can know, call and, me out here it's okay <laughs> no, no and so like me being very analytical minded like you know when i created a campaign on google to get you know, business for my clients, it was pivotal that one, I, I, I got the right keywords, got that person to click on their website and then converted them. So you go into a lot of analytics on the background to see like, Hey, this keyword sounds right, but is it converting? No. So like analytically, like I love the YouTube studio because I will sit there and just look at stuff. You know, they tell you when people drop off, when people, watch when people maintain what your click-through rates are all that kind of stuff so i just eat that up all the time and then i have i have a lot of theories about the way that some things work with youtube um and i think that they they hold true but the other thing is is that when i am not like when i watch youtube i don't typically watch fishing videos um most of the time i i watch a lot of like channels that are dedicated to helping you get better at youtube if that makes sense yeah. you know so then if you can take your fishing knowledge and apply how the the platform actually wants a video to be constructed then i think that's where you can see growth and so that's what i think has helped me is the analytics and just really trying to hone in on kind of how youtube works because sometimes like you can put out there's so many guys who put out like crazy good content and they, they never get seen because of little reasons. You know, like one guy that I still don't understand is John Hunter. If you guys have watched his yeah. videos, 
Yeah, like the dude, the dude has amazing videos, like really high quality, like production. And, you know, like I think that his videos, like he tells a story really well. And he just like, I feel like he should have a lot more views on his video. And I think he could do stuff with thumbnails and titles to help. But like, there's so many guys who are capped because they make good content, but they don't know some stuff about YouTube. And I think it kind of keeps them at a, at a level where I think if they dive into that kind of algorithms and analytics that it can help. So I do think it has helped long story short, as I said, I'll keep talking. So, yeah. Like when we did that show with Rudd and afterwards it was, you know, yourself, Rudd, Ben, myself, we we're talking YouTube. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't know crap about YouTube. So after talking to you guys and like uh, also in the chat here, hello bass, uh, rich Lindgren has a really good channel and he's helped me along the way of trying to improve with the YouTube. Uh, granted, I think you're at a weakness with a podcast on YouTube, but uh, still it's like, after talking to you guys, it's like, holy crap, Like I, I don't put in the time to understand YouTube. I put in too much time to like making content, if that makes it makes any sense. But enough, yeah. I'm just throwing it out there more of throwing shade at myself. That was the whole point of that. No, I, I think there, I think there's, and I'm not an expert. I just, I think I dive into it a lot more than some guys do. Um, that's for sure. But I do, I really try to, 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 to dive into that part. But like I said, I'm learning like constantly, like I'm only, I've only uploaded like 200 something videos, which sounds like a lot, but I heard one guy say that you're still a baby YouTuber until you've hit like 120 videos that you've made. And at the time I'm like, this guy's insane. But like, I remember hitting that mark last year and I thought, he knew exactly what he was talking about because like I'm, I was still trying to figure out how videos should be structured, thumbnails, how they should be structured, titles, all that stuff. And it's changed a lot too. Like the way that YouTube is like a lot of guys, and you can still do this. You can still do search based YouTube videos and I will do that, but you kind of have to do it in a different way to, to get it to show up on browse features and suggested. And this is in the weeds for guys that are probably just wanting to hear about fishing stuff but anyways that 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 is that is yeah 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 and with, with that i agree well we will quit the uh youtube talk because we have a really fun topic today and one that you know for folks that obviously are tuning in we're talking about poppers tonight you know that's going to be a big chunk of what we're discussing and i know andy over here is a huge fan of poppers and poppers is something that i used to to you know love to throw early on getting into bass fishing but after it was like on that, I think we all have baits on that like beginning of the learning curve where as you go through your exploration stage of diving into the depths of different baits where you almost forget about them. Yep. And for me, poppers was, it was that. Yep. Um, so it's one that I think is extremely effective. And when I say overlooked in the title, it says overlooked. I don't mean that, that no one owns them, that no one throws them. It's like, I was talking to Andy about this. It's like, a spinnerbait, you know, everyone owns a spinnerbait, but everyone overlooks, not, I shouldn't say everyone, majority look, overlooks it for a chatterbait now. So it's just kind of one of those deals. But uh, I wanted to ask you, because we talked about this, because we wanted to have a technique-specific show and really dive in, because that's one thing I really enjoy about your channel is you're very edu educational and you provide a lot of knowledge. So I wanted to dive into a technique-specific show, and your favorite technique you mentioned is poppers. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm just curious, you know, to, to preface this, why? Like, well, what's your what's your passion for poppers about? I don't. I don't, honestly, I don't know. Like, my 
uncle, I'm going to say is kind of the base of this. You know, he's a Florida fisherman. I feel like Florida fishermen do use a pop R style bait. They also use a lot of different top water baits, but you know, he was probably the first one to kind of put it in my mind. But like you, like I used to just throw it in ponds. Like I, everyone probably owns a popper, but whether you throw it or not, you know, is, is the difference that you're talking about, like chatterbaits and spinnerbaits, you know, and a popper to me is, is something that when the bass are on it, they don't hit a lot of other top waters. And that's just what I've seen from fishing a popper. You know, you, you go out on days where you want to get, for instance, like most, most of the time in a lot of situations that I throw a popper, guys are going to throw a spook. You know, and, and a spook, a walking style topwater bait is a great bait. It catches big fish, but it also puts off, for the most part, a big presence. You know, right. and a popper doesn't necessarily always put off a big presence. And I think that a lot of guys, you know, like they will force a spook because they'll have three fish come up and hit that bait and they are monsters, but they either miss it or they hook one and they're like, I'm going to keep throwing it. Those are a lot of the situations that I like to pick up that popper because it's a, I mean, it's a small bait. Like I got a couple here, you know, and it, it's a small bait and the fish get this bait a lot. I mean, this is, I think it's the same one that you were just holding up the little KVD splash. Uh, this is the, the junior size. You can see it's all chewed up. Um, but I mean, it, it's just that I think the big thing in bass fishing is that if you feel like you are doing something different you have a ton of confidence, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you get on a grass flat and everyone's throwing a chatterbait and, and, and you're throwing that spinnerbait or you're throwing a square bill, like you feel different. And that a lot of times is the difference between guys who win tournaments and don't is little bait changes like that. Like you think of Brian new won the uh, 2020 bass open on Toho, right? And Everybody was throwing chatterbaits in the grass, lipless crankbaits in the grass, some topwaters in the grass. He was throwing a square bill, right? A lot of guys don't think to throw a square bill in grass hydrilla situations. He was doing that, and those fish aren't going to see a whole lot of that bait. And so he ended up winning that tournament in part because of that. Now, Brian New is also Brian New. But I feel like with poppers, that's something that I feel like. I feel like when I'm throwing them, I'm not fishing against guys that are fishing them a whole lot. Cause you know, like a lot of situations, again, where you throw a spook, I might throw the popper or where you throw a frog, I might throw that popper. So I think that's one of the reasons that I've really held on to it is because anytime I feel like I'm doing something different, it, it helps me to just feel more confident out there, especially when I'm fishing tournaments. The other thing is, is that I fish on a, a lot of bodies of water here in Ohio that, you know, we have smaller bass, and they also feed on smaller bait fish. And I, I used to think that that was just an Ohio thing, but going across the country, I remember fishing um, even on like uh, Douglas Lake in Tennessee where I fished there at the very end of the year. And there was nothing but tiny one inch shad all around. And you would think to throw baits that are spook style baits and that popper in those situations can outperform a spook because those fish are just feeding on tiny baits and a popper just mimics that so well so you know that's kind of why i like it so much i guess like i just again feel like i'm doing something different a lot of times right so like with plopper style baits or a, a walking bait you know that's one where you can you can be versatile in terms of if you're throwing around structure like tight to cover or just throwing it up on a grass flat 
that sort of thing. Is there any sort of guideline that you have to throw in a popper? Like, will you only throw it around structure or are you not afraid to whip that thing out in the middle of a flat? Yeah. So I actually fish it in more open water than probably I'd say most people. So, you know, uh, I think a popper, when people do think about it, they think about target fishing, you know, whether it's around a dock, maybe a stump, you know, if fish are on beds, something like that, you can get them to come up and eat a popper, you know, and that is a great, you know, even around uh, bluegill beds, that is a great time to fish that popper. Um, but I probably fish it more out on grass flats or on rock flats, you know, because it is a way that just like, I, I remember Zona, um, in a, in a, uh, this was a while back. He put out a video that he talked about how sometimes he'll use a walking bait to find smallmouth mm-hmm. on flats. But when he goes to actually catch them, he'll switch over to that pop art. And it's just, I've, I've kind of lived by that a lot because sometimes you'll go out on these bigger expansive grass flats. Like you guys, you're up in New York, Bailey. Like I fished up in New York a lot. I fished, you know, on uh, Oneida a lot in Champlain a lot. Love Oneida. Great pop pop popper lake you know and i've done the same things at those lakes where you you're out there on a grass flat you find fish on a spook but we know how smallmouth hit a spook you know sometimes they usually they kill it no matter what but yeah sometimes it shoots about 10 foot in the air or whatever and it's so frustrating and sometimes those are the situations where i pick up that popper so as far as a guideline i don't have a guideline as to where i'll throw it i do have kind of guidelines as to how i work it you know like in some of those areas but most of the time as far as where i don't i don't really have a you can't to me it's it's like a bait you can't not throw you know i was throwing it actually on um uh hartwell just a couple of years ago because uh it was i fished a open there late in the year september and I'd caught some fish on a spook, um, and they were uh, not committing to the spook as well later in the day. And I picked up the popper and caught a couple of fish mm-hmm. doing that. So, you know, and that was over 35 foot of water, you know, targeting cane piles that were 15 to 20 foot tall, you know. So it's, it, there is no, this is where you can throw a popper and this is where you can't throw a popper. Right. Uh, so you bring up the point of kind of talking about cadence. And that's one that's always intrigued me with the popper that I can never really get down. Cause I always, when I would fish it, I'd fish it really slow. And I always thought that that was like, it, you know, obviously, you know, in that early stage when you're learning everything, it's like, once you start getting bit on it, that's the only way you can throw it. Cause that's obviously your confidence until I go out with a buddy who throws a popper and he's ripping that thing like a jerk bait, like, and he's getting bit more than I am catching bigger ones. So it's kind of like, it's interesting. And I know Andy, I want to throw this question to you cause you throw it way more than I do. And I've seen you crank that thing really fast and get bit more than me throwing a spook. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to see what you guys think in terms of, of cadence. Do you think that there's something more effective with a with a popper, you know, ripping it faster or taking your time? And obviously that can probably be different time of day and such, but I want to see what you guys thought. Situational. Like what's going on underneath the water. If they're chasing bait fish or bluegill, I might rip it a little quicker over top like a secondary point or a grass flat leading from a secondary point into a grass flat into like a larger point where I slow down and fish it really methodically and slow would be like laydowns, docks, any type of structure that's visible 
out on the surface of the water and so they can come and find it. But if they're chasing bait fish, you almost have to think of it like another bait fish and you have to call them to the popper. So that's when I'll kind of up my cadence just to see. But while I'm fishing it fast, I will slow down and let it sit for five, 10 seconds and work it again really quick. So it's let the fish tell you what they want. Yeah. Ty. Yeah. I said, were you going to say something? I was going to say anything to add. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I mean, for the most part, I would say that that's very similar. Um, I mean, I think in bass fishing in general, you know, try to let the fish tell you how they like it. So one thing that I have noticed is that, you know, just like other lures across the country, is there are certain areas in the country where I feel like you do work it certain ways and it performs well. You know, in Florida, that's how you work it most of the time is slow. You know, you work it pop, you know, and it's a bloop, right? There's kind of three ways to work a popper. You can bloop it where you kind of pop it on slack line and it makes that bubble, you know, and a bloop. And then you can spit that bait where a lot of times that's the way that I work it. When I work it fast, I'm spitting it. So I'm popping that bait on a tight line or taut line and it spits water out in front, you know, maybe a foot or two. And then you have, you can walk a dog, you know, walk the dog with it, you know? And so there's certain poppers that are going to walk the dog a little bit better. Um, And most of the time I just, I walk the dog with a popper in the same situations that I would throw a frog. Like if I'm skipping it underneath, although you can't skip a popper, but if I'm skipping it around or casting it around overhanging trees or under docks, that's a lot of times when I'm going to walk it, you know, because a lot of times you'll get on good frog bites that way, but they'll come up and bust that thing and miss it, especially later in the summer, you know? And so I will throw that popper because it's got treble hooks. And a lot of times they'll kind of get that bait or at least get part of it, you know? So, but a lot of times, you know, in Florida, I tend to work it slower. If I'm fishing around bluegill eating fish, I feel like that's another time you work it slower, you know? So if you're fishing around bluegill beds or if you're fishing around just areas that you know, those fish are eating bluegill or brim or however you say it across the country that's a lot of times where i'm gonna bloop that bait work it a little bit slower and then a lot of shad eating fish i tend to work it pretty fast but like andrew said you know there are days especially like if you go out and it's a very calm day i have found that sometimes you even if they're shad eating fish you don't want to work it too fast because they'll never come up but if you work it real slow they'll come up and expect that little feather and you pop it once and they just come up and get that, get that feather. So, mm-hmm. so that's, that's just the way that I typically work it. But at the end of the day, if the fish are wanting it a certain way, that's just how you got to fish it. So yeah. it, the biggest thing I found is when they're blowing up and chasing bay fish is every cast until you get bit is to change your cadence up because you want to get it right the way they want. So it may take you 10, 15 casts with a different cadence, but as soon as that one fires on it, stay with that cadence until they turn off and then switch up then yeah i like that and i like the point of talking about when you walk in the dog like it's more structurally based like overhanging trees because i think in personal opinion that a popper is easier to twitch in place like keeping that strike zone over like a spook i think a spook can kind of you can get a little bit trigger happy with a spook and it covers too much water where you know, you get it perfect right next to that overhanging tree or right where the base is. And you can kind of twitch that popper and basically keep it in the same spot for the most part. Yeah, I have. I think that. So the other thing is, like, if you're fishing around cover, I mean, obviously a big fat fish is going to eat a lot of 
bigger bait fish. But I feel like if you ever get up on your trolling motor real shallow water, most of the time you see really little little minnows and little baby bluegill. Like they hang in the shallows before they kind of head to the depths. Just my opinion. You know, so I think that that is why sometimes that little popper can do a little bit better because it just mimics that little bluegill that's a couple inches. And if you threw a spook up in there, it's just, it's a big presence. You know, spooks tend to walk, you know, and it's just a very big presence. Now there's obviously going to be situations where a spook is going to outperform, you know, you're fishing on gizzard chat, eating fish and stuff like that. You know, a spook is, can, a spook tends to still get a bigger than average bite, I would say. Right. Now, this is kind of like throwing a content a content idea out to some some folks that are watching this that uh, like to make forward facing sonar content, but it would be really cool to see kind of how these fish react. Like, because there's when you can tilt your forward facing sonar to see the surface and see your baits hit the water. Um, we actually have an episode coming out Friday with Spencer Shuffield where he talks about this, um, but it'd be super cool to like with that pop bar to like see how those fish are reacting to one slow. Like, because there's always times, especially like for folks that are, when you're using a pop bar slow and like you twitch it, wait five seconds, switch it again, where like in your brain, you're just like picturing a bash looking at it and just waiting for you to twitch it again. But it'd be super cool to see that on forward facing sonar. And there's probably people that are doing it and they're just not talking about it. And then we're probably going to get hated for talking about it right now, but that'd be super cool to kind of, you know, break down with forward. Yeah, that would be. One of my favorite bites of the poppers when it's like slick, calm, bright blue, sunny skies and gym clear water because you can just see like the black shadow stalk it as you're just like slowly twitching it and all of a sudden it just unloads. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Bailey, but it is a fun bite because you can see them coming from like 100 yards away and they literally stop like nose up at your popper until you just barely move it and they just explode on it. I've had some days like that at Oneida that you wouldn't think it'd be a good day for fishing as far as what the book says or for topwater mm-hmm. fishing. And it's that slick, calm, bright blue sun. And you out there, you fire that thing out, you pop it once and you can just, like you said, you see a little black missile just come up. And boom. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And I'm like, I'll throw out a little thing here. I always find it's when there's like a really good mayfly hatch wherever you are. Like you need bug activity on those slick, calm, sunny days for it to really pop off. Interesting. Yeah. We've had many days like that. Like Andy and I have had that exact conversation where it's like bluebird sky, slick, calm, you know, mid July doesn't make any sense. Throw a big spook and you have a freaking riot. Like it's, uh, it's just kind of a weird deal, but like going back to the point where you can watch those fish and you know, Andy, you made the point of like, you watch those fish hovering behind it. You just make one small twitch and they go nuts. How much do you think that like that feathered treble has to play into that? completely 100 percent, because that feathered treble is just sitting there tantalizing behind it in the water it's just got this ultra realistic movement to it even though the popper's doing nothing sitting straight up and down yeah. have you guys what do you think do you have anything on that tyler yeah well i i 100 agree because there's days where like i i, I always switch out the like if i'm fishing around the bluegill eating fish like I use pretty much um, the Fusion 19 feather trebles for the most part. And these are two that I use most of the time. This one has like a little bit of a yellow feather in it. So I'm going to fish that around the bluegills. Uh, I'm gonna, this one is more of my shad one, 
you know, but I've seen it where, cause that popper, like you said, it's sitting up and down. It's not sitting like this. It sits up and down and you'll have days where you'll, you'll think you're catching microscopic fish because all of a sudden your popper just goes down. Like you, you don't hear a splash. You don't hear a gulp. It's just like all of a sudden it's just gone. Like I've had times where I went to pop the rod and there's weight yeah. and I'm like, what you know and, and then i set in and it's because of that feather they mm-hmm. sit there and they hone in on it and like you said it's yeah. just kind of tantalizing them and it'll just you know if you think about it we think that a bass thinks they uh, we think a bass examines the entire bait here but if all they see is that feather you know that looks like a perfect little one inch shad to them yeah and that's like they just suck that thing in and that's like i don't i i have had so many times like i just said i went to pop the rod i didn't hear anything see anything feel anything but when I went to pop it, there was weight. And I'm like, mm-hmm. so confused, but your natural instinct just keeps going back with it. But so yeah. I think the feather is extremely important. And it's always on those slick, calm, bright, sunny days that they eat yep. it that way. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it's crazy. You're just like popping and then you'll like turn and talk to a friend. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, like I got one. <laughs> and you never like hear them. Bait. Yeah. It's like a jerk bait, yeah. Just no commotion. It's just, it's like a bluegill popping the surface. Well, let me throw this out here. Have you guys swapped out the feathered treble for a bladed treble? Have you tried that yet with the popper? No. Sounds no. like we have some experimenting to do, boys. <laughs> no, that, that would be a good idea. Some of the poppers, because I fish a lot of the junior size ones, uh, like this little guy. Um, I'd be interested to see if it didn't bring the treble down a little bit or the bait down maybe too much where it didn't work right, but it you just got to experiment, you know, just see what it does. So I, I could see it being more beneficial on like a Vixen style bait on the front treble. So as it's walking, that blade is just slapping and making more commotion. And gives that bass or something to target when it yep, comes to up, hone hit, in that, on. hit that front hook. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm thinking too, is like when you have it hovered in place and that blade, cause it's so tiny and the blades are, made on decent swivels so they're on like on their own they're turning and flat especially on those those sunnier days they're just kind of getting off a flash like you don't even have to like the feather you don't have to do anything with it it kind of does its own action and it's something to sounds like we have to go there. have some fun with some poppers at some point this summer. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds like it needs to warm the heck up here here in yeah. new york so we can yeah. put that to the test yeah we're about 25 degrees in the water temp away from a good popper bite so <laughs> like 20 yeah, sixty is when it starts getting going for me. Well, usually, hey, on a on a side note, this was something that I will never leave my mind because I live in Ohio. It's not New York, but we have cold winters, and I got a bunch of lures when I was like eight, seventeen years old, living at my parents. Still got a bunch of lures for Christmas, you know. And I went out with like these four frogs on that first like sixty degree day, fifty sixty degree day that we had. And the ice had just left and I was testing out these frogs and I had a bass come up and bite one. And I didn't, I, I was so shocked. Like I didn't even set the hook. Like I'm like, you know, and so that water had, I mean, it couldn't have been out of the thirties. There's no way like yeah. it had just unfroze. So I would be, I mean, a bass is a bat, like it's a predator. So like if it hears that, like why wouldn't we think as fishermen, like there's no way a bass is going to hit a top water, but like at the end of the day, like if they, if they see food, they're opportunistic. You know, I know I've caught bass on buzz baits in 47, 48 degree water temperature. So, Hey, maybe a popper are in 40 degree water. There you go. What was, um, I'm trying to remember the tournament. Was it 
was it Winya Bay that Stetson Blaylock had that that catch on live? That was Hartwell. Like, was it Hart? Was it Hartwell? It's Hartwell. Wasn't it like fifty degree water? Yeah, like mid fifties. Like they were just starting to get up. I think because yeah, like the fish came up. Yeah, yeah, like you just slowly to see that largemouth come up. Just, just his eyes, like as he ate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like a scene out of like the Grinch where he's like, Am I eating because I'm bored? <laughs> 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 he's just so lazy about it. Yeah. Oh, That's so oh, funny. But uh so let's start, you know, let's throw it out there because I mean one selfishly, because I would like to know, because honestly, the the best pop bar that I have used personally was a Arashi cover pop. Uh, but I know there's better ones out there. I know, obviously, everyone talks about the Rico, uh, but I want to throw it out to you guys. We've talked about the KVD Splash. You know, what are some of the poppers that you guys like to throw? Or what are the ones that are, if people want to go out and buy some of the best ones on the market, where should they look? Do you want me to go start? first, Ty, or do you want to go first? I don't. I can go, or you can go. Ty, go. Ty, go. Okay, so... Um, I do like the KVD splash. I think it's one, it's, it's fairly inexpensive. So depending on where you are budget wise, like you can pick up a bunch of them. Um, I like it also because it bloops and pops or spits pretty good. You can bloop it and spit it um, and walk it. The little one doesn't walk as well, obviously. Um, so it is a good bait. Um, one that I also like because of the noise mostly is I believe a storm uh, chug bug, you know, kind of like more of an original one, a little bit bigger, a little bit different profile. Um, if you guys remember, Seth fighter was catching um, smallmouth on the Mississippi river on a chug bug like this, I think in that breakout, I, I can't remember if it was the breakout tournament where like he did super well, if it was like a year or two after that, when he was already just, you know, himself but uh, Reese so those are two that like I fish a lot I fish the KVD splash probably most of the time one that I just kind of picked up here recently is this arc one um, so this is a TP70 bait uh, made by arc um, now I have partnered with arc so that's why I do own several of these but the thing that I really liked about this bait is it walks better than probably any popper that I have fished with. And I really like the size. It's not, it's not too small. It's not too big. It's kind of that really right size in my opinion to kind of, you know, do everything you need to with it. Um, so that's a, that's a, that's a good one. Um, you know, the original rebel, uh, pop R, you know, super pop R, super pop R. Yes. That's a good one. Go, I, you and I, find them, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So those those are good. And then this one, I just I, I pulled it out of the tackle box because um, this is the Zell Roland. Zell Roland's probably the only fisherman known for pop bars, right? So like this is his little bait, which um, I'm trying to remember. It's the prank. I was gonna say it's it's a swimming. It's like the crankbait yeah. and pop bar. Yeah. So it has a, a little bit of a bill on it, which is really odd. So I did a video with this bait just because I like I had been interested in it just because it was a popper but it was also Zell Rollins popper and so something that I found that was really interesting about this bait is and I you would work it like a popper and because it had a little bit of a bill on it it doesn't work quite as good as like a regular popper style but there were several fish that I caught that day that I caught as soon as I started to crank it so like I would work it like a top water. And then like most of the time, 
like if you finish your cast, like if you're if you're casting at the bank and you work like four foot out and you think you're out of the strike zone and you reel that bait up and you make another cast in there, which is what I typically do if I'm fishing around the bank with this bait, which is what I was doing that day. There was like several fish that I caught that as soon as I started cranking it, it, it would dive underwater real quick and the fish would nail it right then. So those fish, in my opinion, probably would never hit a regular popper at all. They, they probably just were just curious enough to follow it. But as soon as it felt like it was fleeing away from them, that's when they came up there and grabbed it. So that was really interesting to me. And I would love to use this on like bigger flats in that way. But the only problem is on bigger flats, because I tried using it, it just, it didn't pop and, and work quite as great as like your typical popper. You know, but like the next time I'm on the bank fishing, I would really like to use this a little bit more if I can remember it because that was amazing to me. Like as soon as I, there's several fish that day, like I said, that bit it after I cranked it. And I just wondered like, maybe I would have never caught those fish. If I was in a tournament and I was fishing and that helped me get three extra bites a day, that could be the difference. So anyways, those are kind of the, the poppers that I like. Any other ones that you like, Andy? To throw in there um so on the smaller side i i like expensive poppers it's just something you're just about, a bougie, I, dude. I, bougie. Yeah. so like for junior size poppers the first two i always go to is like a yellow magic which is the first one i grab it it chugs real well but it can also walk in place if you do like a loop knot but my favorite small junior size is the rico and largemouth bass this one is it's got some war damage on it. It's caught a bunch of fish. And I like a black popper, but the one that I had, I can't find it. But it's just destroyed. And then if I want something bigger, let me get it out for walking and chugging, which is kind of designed after like the Super Pop R's or Rio Rico. I think this is like a Beano Shad. Caught a lot of really good smallmouth on that one. And then my favorite chugging, like junior size. Besides a chug bug, I found this Lucky Crab G Splash. If you can find them, is a really good chugging mm. popper. And yeah. it's always when I'm chugging it, if the yeah, that's good. Yeah, it with a it has to have a black feather on there. I know. I, I haven't used this one. I, I just got it <laughs> yeah. not too long ago. Nothing yeah. a sharpie won't fix. Yeah, but um. <laughs> I really like this G splash. If I'm fishing a lake that has a lot of rock bass in it with the gold and black, they eat it really well. The rock bass do, or no, the small. No, no, like the primary bait fish are like around the covers. Rock bass, I'll throw the G splash. Interesting. In gold and black. That is one gold. thing I've never found in a fish's mouth is a rock bass. Yeah, it works sometimes, I guess. Because there's all kinds of them that are this big that you never see. Of course, they're going to eat them. Hmm. I think I think smallmouth have a soft spot for gold as well. Yeah. I use a little gold, uh, like lipless crankbait, a lot, mm -hmm. and there's no reason that they should like a, a gold in the situation that I fished it, and they do. So, unless yeah. there's like log perch around or something, or you're the young yellow perch, yeah, they're kind of gold, gold yeah. in. So yeah. that's. Yeah. That's an interesting, I mean, that's a whole different episode because I've found times where the same rock pile, I'll throw a red trap, you know, yo-yo red trap over it, catch largemouth. But as soon as I go to chartreuse, sexy shad, I can only catch smallmouth. Like, it's just, it's weird. But yeah, again, that's a whole nother episode. 
Um, but I think for, for folks tuning in right now, we'll uh, after this show, we'll get these baits linked up. Unfortunately, I can't add them right now, but we'll link them on Omni after this if you guys want to check them out. But I think most importantly, to segue from that is to dive into setups for these poppers. Like what, Real fast, what's your I, forgot, I forgot one other bait that I really like. That's Andy's going to be here all night. Sorry. About that is a popper walking bait for if you can fish it really fast. It's like a hybrid. Is the Lucky Craft Gunfish. That's a good one. Yeah. Because you can do both. You can pop it and walk it all at the same time, and it gets bit. I feel like the gunfish, like that, it's, it's been around for forever, but I feel like it's just kind of lost. People don't, you don't hear, yeah. I mean, I don't feel like you don't hear a lot about Lucky Craft anymore anyways, no. but but anyways, that is a good little bait. Mm-hmm. So just so, want to put that in, sorry. No, no, yeah, it's a good tidbit. Um, what are your guys' setups for throwing pop bars? What do you think has been the most effective um, I'm a braid guy with my poppers, uh, at tall top waters. So I fish 30 pound braid, um, to a monofilament leader. Um, I like a small leader, you know, mostly to keep, uh, the trebles from getting all hung up on the braid. Also, it is just a little bit of give, you know, if those fish dig at the boat and your rod is straight up and down, cause you're trying to land them. Like it's just a little extra give. Um, I like, um, a rod that's typically seven foot two inch. Like I love that rod. Um, I have my popper top water rod here. Um, I like a moderate bend of, of a rod. So moderate or parabolic, you know, bending is what I like with treble hooks, like period. So anytime that I'm fishing pretty much a treble hooked lure, unless it's not like a line through swim bait, I'm going to have some sort of parabolic bend. I really believe in that. And and how well it can keep fish pinned on there. So that's my setup. Um, I usually like a seven gear, you know, 7.1 to one gear ratio reel, uh, nothing slower than that. You can get away sometimes with something faster than that, which isn't a bad thing because sometimes if you're fishing top waters, you know, fish blows up over there, reel that sucker in, of course, mm-hmm. right when you made the longest cast ever, yeah. but that's me. Like I like a seven two. If I'm really target fishing with a popper, like I'm on the bank. Um, and if you have the luxury of having couple rods, I like a, it's a, uh, it's actually a jerk bait rod. It's like a six foot, nine inch rod. Again, parabolic bin. It's a medium power. It's a moderate parabolic action. Um, I like that just because I still fish braid. And if I'm really close to that fish, I like to have a lot, a rod that gives a lot. And that, that jerk bait rod will do that. Mm-hmm. so that's like what i fish yep i i agree completely um every good popper rod, rod i have used doubles as a really good jerk bait rod so i'm in that same like if i'm close combat like target fishing i want a 610 611 just because i need to make shorter accurate casts but if i'm out covering a flat seven foot seven foot one yep. it's right there i like medium power rods or medium light but um, I, I like a fast tip or an extra fast tip, but I want it to be parabolic just because okay. depending on the way, if I'm walking it, you need that little bit quicker tip to make it dart with less rod movement. But it has to be parabolic. It has to be soft, like yeah. three quarters of the way through the rod because of the treble hooks. Yeah. I just like it to be a little crisp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a few people in the comments talking about uh, using spinning gear for their poppers. Uh, I think it, especially when you're in that stage where you're 
developing, you're going through the beginning of your learning curve. Spinning is definitely the way to go for poppers, uh, especially if they're lighter baits and you're still in like the stages of developing like how to use a bait caster. Uh, poppers are definitely not, the, I don't think, the easiest of baits to throw on a bait caster. Uh, so it, there's nothing wrong with starting with spinning gear, especially if you have braid on that spinning reel. You should be perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, I think that, I think, I think judging by comments that I've had on a thousand, a thousand comments that I've had on videos, like there's people that are going to be spinning rod people. And so that's completely fine. Like you mm -hmm. said, you know, even if you're an advanced angler and you've been, you just prefer the spinning rod, you know, same thing though, seven foot parabolic bin, medium power, if not a medium light, like you're saying, um, you know, in that case, you can go a little bit lighter line, you know, you could probably use a 10 or 15 pound braid if you want but no like i used to do that that's i remember that's how i learned to fish popper birds with this spinning rod i love i loved it but i like to one hand whip the little poppers i feel like that's yeah. how i get the best distance out of them you try to do the two hand it doesn't work but if you sling it like that you can you can cast it just as far with a bait caster so yeah and that's one thing i didn't mention is my line size on these bigger ones I use 15 pound test mono, usually like a P line top water, something that floats better than most are. So you want like a straight mono that will float. And then on these littler ones, I'll eat up for like a 10 or a 12 pound mono, usually with like a very high speed spool. So like an MGL spool from Shimano, just so you can fire them out there. It's not a bad thought too, using yeah. the MGL. Just because it only weighs like a quarter ounce, it's a pain to cast it on anything else. So you just cannot get off this MGL train, which I don't blame you. I love my MGLs. Yeah, they're they're good reels. Yeah. SV spool is really good too. So they both mm -hmm. cast really well. So I, I want to talk. So to kind of wrap up our popper seminar here, uh, kind of one thing you know when we talked about at the beginning of the show of how it's overlooked. Um. I'm kind of curious because this is my train of thought why you don't see as many guys throwing a popper over a spook or a plopper style bait. And I think majority of, majority of it is just human psychology in terms of the attention span. They have to always be doing something and they don't have the attention span to slow down and throw a popper. Would you guys agree? Disagree? Um, I would, uh, I would, the only I agree with what you're saying. I disagree with the part that poppers are slow, if that makes sense. So, because yes. people have mindset that they're slow, but I I can fish a popper faster than a spook. So, and that's the way I fish it probably most of the time. So, but yes, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, and and I'm in that boat where it's like when I think popper, I think okay, I'm gonna fish this really slow around structure. Like I don't when I go up to a grass flat and I go down a, or go down a grass line, I don't think popper. I think spook. I think hundred different things before popper which is it's it's like you go on those two-year binges and you're like oh yeah i have that in the box that probably would have worked too and then you go on that and you forget about another bait and it's frustrating internally but it's one thing you got to force yourself out of yeah andy what about you i was gonna say it's just funny like over the years like i buy all this tackle and then i have recondensing right and i'm buying more tackle and recondensing and it always comes down to three things that kind of always stay the same in my box it's very certain poppers in anything green pumpkin or black and blue when it comes <laughs> about plastic. So like, it's yeah. like I could throw like 90% of the stuff out I buy because that's what works is 
white colored spinner baits, a shad or a bluegill colored popper, big one, small one, or a golden black, and then green pumpkin, black and blue. It's like it just works. You uh you have come a long way in that department, Andrew, because like so Tyler, <laughs> years ago when I first met Andrew, he was it's gotta be purple flake. This is gonna be watermelon, not green pumpkin. We'll go out and he'll tell me it's gotta be the specific off the wall, crazy ass color. <laughs> and I throw green pumpkin and catch him just as quick as he does. And it's like, dude, just keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've definitely worked on getting more simple in my fishing arsenal, and it definitely helps. It yeah. helps a lot. So I, Andrew, I, was, no, I was just gonna say, Andrew was like, if it's sixty three degrees, it's got to be methylet. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. <Yeah. laughs> I think there. I think bass fishing there is like in business. You have an eighty twenty rule, uh, and I think that bass fishing works pretty much the same way, if not a ninety ten rule, where like ninety percent of the time. 80% of the time, it doesn't probably matter. Like you're saying, green pumpkin is going to catch them just as good as watermelon red flake. But there's that 10% of the time where watermelon red flake will catch them better. And that is what keeps us crazy as bass fishermen. Yeah. So, or like the El Diablo color from Missile Baits and the D bomb when that went hot for like a week and everybody had to buy it because Ish won a tournament on the Delta. I hate that. Yeah. It, it happens. You know, what's, you know what I hate even more than that now that I'm like in the industry and like talk to these anglers firsthand and like see how certain anglers will lie about their baits and they'll lie about a bait and it goes crazy when they weren't even that bait wasn't even on the deck. Like it's <laughs> it's stuff like that that just drives me mad where it's like that 10 percent you described as Tyler. Tyler, it's like that 10 percent. I'm just like I'm not trying to be a professional angler. I love to learn and I love to get better, but. I'll I'll just admit defeat if I have to go to like some wacky color with crazy fleck if that's what's going to be the deal I'll just be like all right fish win day <laughs> like I don't need to go buying thirty six thousand different colors of everything uh, yeah. it's just one of those things that drive me crazy man yeah and it, it, it's the fun the crazy thing is how many times like because I fish um, on the open so many years as a boater there were so many of those tournaments where i would find the jig the flipping bait the worm where i'm like this is the deal like they're biting this and they're not biting anything else you know and then as soon as a angler gets in my boat he's throwing something completely different catching them just as good i'm just like i'm stupid (laughs) you know like that's where I'm just like, okay, like, like that's when I really thought, like, this is this is the ninety ten rule, eighty twenty. Like, most of the time, it probably doesn't matter. Sometimes it does, but yeah. that is very a fair. fish is a fish, or we should say a bass is a bass. They're just predatory animals that want to eat, and if it's presented properly with confidence, they're probably going to eat it, or so you think. Yeah. So you get forward facing sonar and you wonder why you're not getting bit when there's fish all around you. <laughs> yeah. That's why I want for I still don't have forward facing sonar. And I my the guy that I fish a lot of tournaments with, he has it on his boat. So we'll fish a you know, we fish in his boat a ton because we can see that stuff. And I've been wanting to get it, but there are those days where it's like you see them and they're down there and you're like, gosh, I can't get them to bite. You know, before I would have left 10 minutes ago, 20 minutes ago. But now it's like I'm trying everything in the boat to get these dumb fish to bite because I know they're here. It's just they're not in the right mood. So They yeah. suck you into the game is they what happens. 
Yeah, it's it's like uh, and I've I've used forward all the like a bunch with like live scope and active target on different boats, and I finally have Mega Live on my rig, and it's like now that I finally own it and I own this power, it's like trying to not get sucked into like getting away just from your natural instincts and your natural just knowledge of what you would do without that forward facing sonar. Trying to like force it to be just another tool to make what you already do, you know, stronger or more efficient. Because I already know there's just going to be times where you just get stuck chasing fish around, staring at your screen, and that is not what I want to do. But I know it's going to happen. But I'm just trying to like prepare myself for when it does happen to acknowledge it, yeah, and then ditch it. Um, we have one question here from White Whale Fishing, asking uh, what conditions and season do you grab a popper first in Ohio? So I would say first is right right when the spawn happens. So right as soon as the spawn starts to happen. Um, I don't really like muddy water when I'm fishing a popper, um, but if you have a little bit off color water, um, you know, right when that spawn happens, I, I've seen a lot where bass will, if they don't eat the popper, they'll, they'll wake on it or they'll at least show themselves, you know, they'll come up and they'll, they'll sniff it. Like I said, they might not get it, but usually that's when I first start throwing it. So when that water temp gets to be in the sixties, 65, you know, is kind of that magical degree, but anywhere around the spawn, that's typically when I'm going to throw it, I've, I've thrown it on Erie, um, a lot and I've thrown it, uh, in June ish, you know, you, you have fish start spawning around that time, smallies. And I've caught a ton of smallies on poppers that are on beds They're They are on beds and you catch them on a popper and it's the best. I love it. So yeah. usually around the spawn is when I first start throwing it and then I will throw it all the way to the fall. Bailey, I got to get you on that bite this year because it's been a couple years since I've done it up here in Buffalo, but there are days where it's all they'll eat for the first two hours is a popper. It is, you know, that kind of, isn't it interesting how like the book tells us that you can throw a popper and a buzz bait like earlier than any other top water and colder temperatures, but you can't throw a plopper style bait or like a popping frog. Do you guys ever thought about that? Well, it's yeah. kind of funny you say that. Normally, my first topwater fish of the year is on a popping frog. Almost always because there'll be like a low overhanging tree with fish just starting to spawn in the lake. And I'm like, oh, this is a good spot for a popping frog. And you rip it underneath there and you twitch it once. Boom, and you're like, all right, now I can catch him on a popper. <laughs> and that's when the popper comes out. And it's yeah. like that 58 to 60 degree water right around yeah. the first full moon in May. So the Certainly. the buzz bait to me is it it is the coldest you can catch. Like I've caught them in the spring and in the fall, upper forties, where they're just starting to get to the bank and they'll they'll hit it then. But you're right, a frog in that pre-spawn time frame, whether it's a popping frog or like your regular pointed nose frog, mm-hmm. like that can be a that's not a bait you're gonna get a lot of bites on, but they're gonna be the best, they're gonna be the good ones. So it's certainly interesting. Well, dude, we're going to start wrapping up here in a second. I got two more questions for you. But before we hit you, hit you with them, Andy, you got anything left for Ty here? Yeah, I'm just going to throw it out there. If you could choose one popper in any situation, what color? And are you going to fish a flat or are you going to cover fish with it? Well, the, the, the color in the bait is more specific of the popper. Um, so I get one popper. In color, yes, 
So I will throw – this is the one I, I fish the most, which is that KVD splash. I mean, and this is the junior size. So I fish the smaller one a lot. Um, and I fished it all over, not just in Ohio, but all over the place. And, I again, I fish this a lot because there's times when they'll hit a top water, and this is the only one they'll hit is this mm-hmm. littler bait. Now, this um, – the color is going to be hard, but this, I don't even know what this color is called. I think it's like a clear water minnow. It's kind of beat up. I think that's um, right. But that's probably the one that I will fish because I do fish in a lot of clear water. And so I like that little bit of translucent bait. You know, you don't want to give them too good of a look at it. A straight bone color is another really good one. Um, and then a bluegill type pattern more with just a little bit of an orange on or red on the throat. Um, but this little guy is probably my i fished this exact popper and caught fish on it this like exact popper in uh florida um obviously ohio uh michigan that's the best best thing about poppers is you don't lose them often <laughs> unless you actually in new york is where you're going to lose them is pick, pick or pick or yeah. <laughs> but florida i mean all over the place michigan uh the South Carolina, like I fished this exact, this one actually cost me $3,000, a stupid popper piece of crap. Cause in, in <laughs> I used it so much. I wasn't replacing my split rings on it. Oh no! And I had a freaking spotted bass, like a three pounder in that same tournament that I was talking about down on uh, Hartwell, Hartwell. Yeah. that came up and crushed that thing. I had him hooked for a second. And I bring the popper back, and the, the hook is gone. Split ring just pulled it straight out. So I'm like, that just told me. I'm like, all right, I need to consciously think about changing the split rings yeah. more often. So especially <laughs> on baits where you catch them, I've caught a lot of fish on them. So yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, that's one thing I've been trying to dive into as well as, especially like you mentioned, just using it over time with how like when you use it for over a season, like chances are you're going to have to replace everything. Yeah. Especially like hooks. Like I will change hooks all the time. Like almost like any like bigger tournament locally I have, if I'm fishing a popper, I'm changing the hooks, you know, that day, you know? And, and so like I change the hooks a ton. And so you change a hook, you wear out that little split ring. And I don't know why I didn't think about it, but I just didn't, and then all of a sudden I have one pull up, pull a thing apart. So. All right, let me ask you this question real fast, and I'll let Bailey do. What split ring do you like, and what size for that popper? So mm. all the folks tuning in can hear it. That's a good question that I'm not sure if I know the answer. I believe this is an owner, and I believe it's a number two, but I'm really not sure, to be honest. Like it I, sounds it's, right. It's, it's it's one of those things that I like grabbed it. And never really thought about it. Yeah. Like I haven't delved enough into, I'm, I'm like, I love hooks. I, I like having the right hook um, and whatnot. But as far as a split ring, like I, it was one of those things, like in my opinion, I was like, yeah, split ring is a split ring. I like the owner stuff. I like owner hooks. I grabbed is it like an owner hyper wire, I think is what they're called. Right. The split I, yeah, rings. That's, I think that's, I think that's right. I yeah, got a pack are, of them somewhere in the boat, but I don't know where they are. Those are good split rings. <laughs> yeah, I think Spro makes another good one too. Hmm. At least that's Spro. What I think. Yeah. Um, but dude, so we're gonna start wrapping things up here in a second. Um, one thing I'm curious about 
is what do you what's the uh the plan for bass fishing hq in the future like where do you want to take that thing what's what's the goal and where do you see yourself going or where do you see yourself wanting to go wanting to go um well you know bass fishing hq like i just want to continue to grow it and you know i i shared this on alex podcast when i was on it actually the first time but you know, videos that I make now, like they can be copied and they can be remade. And I would love to make videos that can't be copied at least easily. You know, something that's, you know, what I consider just better or whatever, or, or put more work into it. At first, when I started doing YouTube, like I always thought, hey, if I like, you always try to find shortcuts in making a video, right? You try to find a shortcut to make the video. But what I have found from doing and, you know, cause I do all the editing, I do everything myself. Like the longer I spend editing and putting a video together, the more camera angles, the more drone shots, the more I can put into it, the more work typically the better that it does. So, you know, this is kind of like, you know, guys that watch are watching this probably don't care, but you know, you, you, you look at the biggest YouTuber on the platform, which is Mr. Beast, right. And he spends thousands if not millions of dollars to make a video and he does that because he knows that the more he can spend the better that video is going to do and so my mindset has gone gone from like how can i just create videos and get them out there to how can i make the best video ever so as far as bass fishing hq goes that's what i want to continue to, to go with that i'm actually also in the process of starting a different channel um which is going to be more like entertainment experience based, you know, I have found, and this is like one of those things I talked about at the the beginning of this podcast is that it's like a theory of mine that like you really, it's hard to mix those. It's hard to mix the entertainment and education into one. Cause I've tried in every video that I've tried to do, that is a experience based video where I'm not really trying to educate. I'm just filming a video as I'm fishing. They don't tend to do well on my channel. You know, like they'll get views, but they don't, you know, I have a core audience that will love them. But as far as them getting pushed out on YouTube, it doesn't happen. So I'm going to start a totally different channel that's kind of devoted to that. So that is in the plans all for this year. Like, I just want to keep growing it. And then, you know, like I like my passion is still like a lot in tournament fishing. Like I love tournament fishing and I fish a ton of tournaments, just fish one this past weekend. You know, I love it so much. And I've always wanted to, to try to like qualify for the elites. I've tied the guy that got in. I've been the first guy out, uh, twice, I think now first or second guy out. So I've been right there and I would love, like, I'm hoping next year, everything will line up that I can fish the opens again and just try to try to get up into the elites again. Cause that would be great. And that would be something I'd probably document a lot on that other channel. So that's kind of the goals that I have, but like bass fishing HQ, I just want to continue to just pump out like what I consider to be quality content, try to make the best videos that I can in the educational bass fishing niche. So. Heck yeah, dude. I dig it. Well, dude, our, uh, our last question for you is one that we asked to everyone that's new to the show. Uh, and that is if you could sit down with three different individuals they do not have to be in the fishing industry. They don't even have to be alive. They could be alive a thousand years ago. It doesn't matter. So we're keeping this wide open for you. 
if you could invite three different individuals to sit down, have a steak and a beer, and pick their brain, who are you going to invite? <laughs> and why? And why? Okay. Fishing-wise, Jacob Wheeler. Um, I think why is probably well known. Um, I would just, I would like to, I would like to go out a practice day with Jacob and just see how he attacks a body of water. Um, I would buy him a lot of steak just to be able to do that. Um, so I'd love to do that, like, and see that. Um, so that's one fishing wise, man. I mean, my, like, I, (laughs) <laughs> this is i don't know if it's gonna sound corny or cheesy or cool but like i would sit down with jesus right like because i that's my faith so jesus is gonna be my other guy don't know if he'd like a beer maybe you would maybe you wouldn't i don't Probably know a wine guy yeah maybe, i could say being guy. a wine guy maybe wine guy <laughs> so jesus you know would be one and then um a third one wow do you have like a like a athlete or like a childhood hero or anything like that. A childhood hero or athlete. Um, I would have said maybe like a Michael Jordan back in the day, but after watching the uh, the Last Dance documentary, you know, I yeah. feel like I know him now, Michael Jordan. Um, <laughs> no beers needed. No beer. <laughs> but he, uh, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of someone else. It'd probably be like a relative, you know, like I, my, maybe my grandfather on my dad's side, um, that like he, he passed away when I was like 11 or something like that. So, I, I'm sorry, but this comment is cracking. <laughs> <laughs> this comment is saying, you just put Wheeler before Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. <laughs> That's oh, bad. That's good. Post that one up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Sorry, carry Don't on. you know it's Lent? <laughs> too bad that, Too bad this is live. You know, I could have edited it yeah. a different yeah. way, but I was we thinking fishing first. You know, I shouldn't have been, but. We, we won't hold it against you. <laughs> but yeah. So maybe my grandfather would be the third one. So that, that would be it. Heck but, yeah, dude. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, sweet. Well, dude. Seriously appreciate you taking the the time out tonight to come and chat with us, drop some knowledge on Andrew, myself, and everyone that tuned into the show tonight and everyone that's going to be listening once the show is over. So seriously, dude, appreciate it, and hopefully get you back on here and be pretty dang cool to watch you get back in the opens and make the Elite Series. Because I would definitely like to pick you for fantasy fishing because you could probably help my outs. (laughs) I I would hope so, but, you know, it's (laughs) – you guys know how it is. It's fishing, and I, I just I love that tournament competitive side of things. It's just I it just I love it, you know. And so I do hope to get back there. But man, anytime you guys want me to come on, just uh, shoot me a ring, and and we'll we'll do it again. This was a lot of fun. So awesome. Thank you. It was good meeting you. And now I know I have to go buy some uh, KVD Splash Juniors. So thanks. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, dude, appreciate you. You always got a seat on this show, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon, dude. All righty. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. See you, Ty. Heck yeah. Yeah, It's it's, it's making me want to go throw a popper tomorrow, even though it's going to be like 36-degree water. (laughs) You want to drive like 12 hours south and go popper fishing? 
No, because I'm doing that next Friday. So why oh, that's fair. That? All right, never mind. <laughs> yeah. Trying to get out of Dodge here, and you just denied me my way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, hey, you're more than welcome to come help me practice. Granted, <laughs> I'd, I'd get disqualified if you help me practice, but you're more yeah. than welcome to come down to Alabama. Yeah. We'll, we'll just take the boat me. out and whip around you, follow. Right? Yeah, there, there you follow. go. Yeah, I'd totally get DQ'd, but worth it, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, but seriously, thank you again to uh, Ty for joining us tonight. I'm hoping that's one we're going to get him on a bunch more, to, especially to dive into these technique-specific stuff, stuff where we're really getting heavy into, like, you know, the, the nitty-gritties of bass fishing because that's one thing I really look to his channel for. And, uh, folks, as I reminded you guys earlier, uh, the stuff that we talked about bait-wise, uh, setup-wise, if it's on Omnia Fishing, I will link it in the show description for you guys so you can go ahead. Use that link if you want to go and buy the stuff we talked about tonight and save yourself some money. We have a code in the description, uh, not just on YouTube, but also the MP3s. All our discount codes are down below if you guys want to check them out. But um, it's also what free shipping over 50 bucks. So it's a win win because nobody spends less than $50 when they go lure shopping. So yeah, if you spend less than 50 bucks, I don't trust you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, for real, it was a fun show, especially diving into poppers because like, it's one where, I, like we mentioned earlier, everyone owns a popper, but not everyone actually takes it out of the box. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, poppers, you see them have just sitting in the box, rusted hooks, because you're pulling out a spook, you're pulling out a chopo, you know, something along those lines. Whereas there's could be definitely places like one of the greatest examples I think he that Ty brought up was, as I'm trying to hear over your hook rattling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Uh, was uh, Mark Zoner where he finds fish with a spook or a moving bait and then will slow down with a popper as like a follow up, which is like a you're starting with a top water, following up with a top water, which I think is freaking awesome. And you don't really hear about you hear about maybe a Senko that you're following up with. Um, <laughs> Scott down in the comments said he just spent $200. <laughs> well, hopefully it was at Omnia Fishing and you saved yourself some money, buddy. Um, but either way, that uh we will hope to clip and put out on social for folks that might have missed it but if you're still tuning into this show we appreciate you guys uh if you're on youtube and please give this thing a thumbs up subscribe if you're not already uh and if you're listening on mp3 please give uh, our show a rating and review helps us big time to uh more folks help make the show a better experience for y'all so andy anything else before we we'll just we'll just peace out i'm just gonna duck out Yeah. We're gonna Irish. Oh, thank you, everyone. All right, folks. You're, we're about to Irish goodbye, you guys. Uh, but no, on Friday we will yeah. have Mr. Spencer Shuffield coming on the show. So tune into that one. I appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. We'll see you guys on Friday. Thank you. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. 
You're the Seer Sanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.